can't sit back and watch this. No, no, trust me, man. Just can't sit back and watch this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get the sentiment of that. Hello everyone, welcome back to Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where you watch some of the worst horror movies in history, so that you don't have to. This week, Shark Week Month continues. Dun -dun -dun. Oh. I am W. Adam Clark, and this week I am joined by Ellie Alcatraz. Yes, Ellie Alcatraz. Alcatraz being named for the third circle of hell, which is the circle of hell where they send people who kill sharks just for the purpose of making shark fin soup and make them watch really bad shark horror movies for the rest of eternity. Like Shark Exorcist? Like, oh my god, we are not doing Shark Exorcist. We are not. The running I gag know. this month is that we're not reviewing Shark Exorcist because I'm not putting myself through that twice in one year. It'll wait till next no. year. No, 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 no. It will, can wait till next year when I live somewhere, you know, safer, like California. Wait, that's about to be a bad... Yeah, no. Yeah, just just live uh, just live 50 miles. It may be in Hollywood. It's yeah. safe, like Hollywood. Yeah, just live no, 50 no, no, miles no. inland in California. Certainly you can't get attacked by sharks there. No, certainly not. Interesting you should say that. Because this week we are reviewing none other than Sharknado. Which does in fact take place in the vicinity of Hollywood, California. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure where else it takes place. I, I, I think probably in a deranged mind somewhere. But it, Yeah, it takes place somewhere in some unrealistic yeah, fantasy world, perhaps dreamland or nightmare land of one of the writers or something. I uh, mean, this is <laughs> this is a weird one. And it's a weird one in part because like the rest of the franchise and also the rest of the profile for the writer, director, and producer for this are generally like super campy work that you know is parody. And in this case, they try to sell it straight and you're like, do they know that this is really bad? I mean, I mean, I knew that they weren't serious, but yeah, you definitely get the impression that the, the actors and everything, you know, the characters were quite serious. Yeah. You know, I mean, I knew not to take it seriously, so I still found it funny, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, they made like what, like four other movies in this franchise? <laughs> there are six total Sharknado six movies. Sharknados. There's also a spin-off that stars Ian Ziering as Finn Shepard called Lavalantula, which involves giant spiders rising out of volcanoes. Of course. I, I'm not kidding. And well, then his, his name isn't as much of a good joke anymore. Yeah. And then just to make sure they hit the zeitgeist square in the head with a ball peen hammer, there is also zombie tidal wave. But yeah, I mean, I don't know whether this was an instant cult classic, but it certainly was an instant meme creator, as I literally even have a Sharknado bookmark from my library from last year during Shark Week. Yeah. I, so... you, you can't talk about bad shark movies without visiting <laughs> two franchises. Well... Arguably four, 
but if you talk to someone that doesn't watch horror movies, they will mention the Jaws sequels and the Sharknado series. Those are going to come up if you talk to anyone. So let's dive into, see what I did there, this uh-huh. one, and uh, let's, let, let's see what surfaces. All right, all right. So the movie synopsis, here we go. So it's present day, and present day, by present day, we mean about 2013. 2013, yep. So the movie takes place in present day, or about present day. The movie begins out at sea with this lovely scene of the ocean and a tornado or water spout going through the ocean, sucking up sharks. I'm not kidding. Uh, We then cut to uh, another place nearby in the ocean, where we are on a boat with a captain and a buyer arguing and bargaining uh, over selling a catch. What's really funny in this scene is the captain specifically says, we shouldn't be afraid of the sharks. They are the ones that should be afraid of us. Oh, this scene, this scene. After which promptly both he and his buyer and presumably everyone else on the boat gets eaten. You don't see anyone else, but presumably there are other sailors on the boat. So... Then we cut to, to a beach scene where our hero, and we know he's the hero because he is a middle-aged white guy, goes out surfing with a young woman. And, of course, no sooner do they get out there than a shark shows up. She gets eaten. He keeps telling everyone to get out of the water. Everyone else on the beach gets attacked except him, despite the fact that he's paddling around on a surfboard looking like a seal. There's lots of screaming and eating of limbs and like half a dozen people get killed, which is like more than usually get killed in a decade by sharks in the real world, but I digress. And then we go to the bar scene. This is, this is his bar, the hero's bar. The hero's name is Finley, or Finn for short. He's a renowned or retired renowned surfer. So we're at his bar, and they're talking about this incoming Hurricane David on the news. Which, of course, is caused by global warming, right? You know, this really nasty hurricane. So we cut to the scene. We're talking about the hurricane. He's making preparations for everybody to leave, to shut down the bar. We don't, by the way, talk about the fact that a girl was just killed five feet away from him. We don't talk about that. But we did talk about the storm incoming, and he's trying to get everyone to go out. He says, I'm closing the bar down. When a shark suddenly flies in through the window. Second story window. Yeah. Second story window. Yeah, it's on a pier, so it's effectively a second story window away from the water at this point. Only after the shark flies in through the window and bites somebody's leg off does the storm actually hit, and all these massive waves come crashing in, and everybody barely escapes, and there's sharks flying everywhere, and we barely escape, and then this recedes. So our hero Finn and his old buddy and his employee barely escape, decide to get in their truck to go rescuing everybody. All right, okay, we got to get out of here. I got to go get my family, the hero says, yada, yada. So then we devolve into what's basically your average run-of-the-mill environmental disaster film, except that apparently somebody decided an environmental disaster film was boring and wanted to add sharks all throughout it. So we go through the normal things of trying to escape here and flee there and rescue these people and, you know, sharks flying out of nowhere like they do, you know, until we get to the point where we rescue Finn's wife slash ex-wife, his daughter, and then go meet up where his son works to rescue him, at which point we come up with the final plan for defeating these Sharknados, which we never call them that in the movie, of course. 
Um, I'm actually kind of glad about that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that something that wonderfully campy of a name that obviously had to be passed around a writer's room for a while to get something yeah. that wonderfully campy doesn't just pop out of somebody's mouth in the middle of a shot in the movie because no, it doesn't. That, that always seems a little suspect to me. It doesn't because, I mean, we don't actually do camp in the movie. The, the characters are taking this completely seriously the whole time, despite the unrealistic things happening in the movie that we'll get into later. We get to this point where we are coming up with the final plan for defeating these Sharknadoes. And the final plan came up with by the hero's son is to go up in a helicopter to approach the tornadoes and drop bombs on them to disrupt the hot and cold air and thus destroy the tornadoes from within. Because obviously this works. To be you know, fair, it actually does. I don't know if it's used on water spouts, but I can tell you that it is a technique that is used on ground twisters. Yeah, but, but definitely with the kind of helicopter and homemade bombs that they oh, had available. Oh, yeah, well, I mean... I mean Obviously, you can do this with your home chemistry kit, obviously. Right. His son and his employee, Finn's son and employee, go up to enact this plan. They are mostly successful, except trying to do the last one, which is a little too big. It doesn't quite work, and she falls out of the helicopter right into the waiting, gaping mouth of a giant shark. Gulp. And the son makes an awkward crash landing, and then the father, of course... Uh, has to enact his buddy's backup plan. His buddy, of course, has long since been eaten by sharks, which, of course, is to drive a truck with a nitrous oxide tank into the last tornado with his buddy's homemade bomb, which looks suspiciously like something from The Watchmen, <laughs> uh, and hit the, the NOS tank to jump out of the truck to blow up the last tornado, roll back just in time to grab a chainsaw to save his son from the giant shark that's come flying down to the ground. So he jumps into the shark's mouth, chainsaw first, dropping the shark. His son gets out of the way. Everybody's crying. And then he cuts his way back out of the shark with the chainsaw, reaches back into the shark, and grabs his employee, who, of course, is still alive. And, of course, was in that exact shark because... Of course, was in that exact shark. Out, out of 20,000 sharks you know, in the pod, like they do. both jumped into the same one. So then the tornadoes are destroyed. There are sharks flying everywhere. Standard post-apocalyptic aftermath. Everybody's happy, kissing each other despite all the shark blood everywhere. Yada, yada, yada. Happy ending. And roll that, credits. Roll credits. And that is the plot, of, such as we call it, of Sharknado. Okay. So, uh, a couple numbers on this one. The rating is TV-14, because this was made for TV by the Sci-Fi Channel. This was not a theatrical release. Genre, I'm going to put in horror comedy slash parody. Technically, the first one isn't really parodical. The rest of the franchise oh, is... Oh, parody, all right. <laughs> the rest of the franchise most definitely is, so, so we're just, we're just going to lump them all together. The director is Anthony C. Ferrante, best known for, oddly enough, the Sharknado series and the movie Zombie Tidal Wave. The writer <laughs> is Thunder Levin, best known for, um, aside from Sharknado, best known for Apocalypse Earth, Zombie Tidal Wave, and Mutant Vampire Zombies from the Hood, which I got to go see that now. I don't know how I missed that one, but I got to see that. <laughs> Producers are David Michael Lott. 
best known for the Sharknado series, Zombie Overlord, and Triassic World. And Jeffrey Mark, who I wasn't able to find any further information of. They're both from, I believe, The Asylum. So this is an Asylum Films production. Not a surprise as it's Sci-Fi Channel Direct, but, you know, there you go. (laughs) The release date is July 11th, 2013. The budget was approximately a million dollars. Exact numbers not known, but give or take, that's what's been reported. Oh, I mean, those sharks don't work for free, you know. And when you got 20,000 of them, I mean, at Union rate, that builds up. It does. Quite a budget there. Yeah. Uh, Especially those hammerheads. They're very demanding. That's understandable. Well, prima donnas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The box office gross is there isn't one because there wasn't a box office. Runtime is one hour and 26 minutes, which is kind of baffling. And I'll get into why that was baffling to me in a second. I really don't understand why this wasn't 121 and done. I guess maybe for TV, 126 works a lot better, but I'm just confused anyway Rotten Tomatoes gives it a critical score of 74 which I was surprised to see I didn't think it would rate that high it must have barely squeaked by with a ton of three stars and like 60 65 percent scores right audience score is only 33 percent which again I thought is kind of low I expected it would be a little bit higher than that I would have thought so too IMDB gives it an aggregate score of 3.3 the movie stars Ian Ziering as Finn Shepard, best known as Daniel Cassidy in 2019 Swamp Thing series, the voice of Vinny in Biker Mice from Mars, and Steve Sanders in Beverly Hill 90210. Tara Reid plays April Wexler, his ex-wife, who was Vicky in American Pie, Bunny Lebowski in The Big Lebowski, and Gwen Pearson in Van Wilder. The get of the film, if you want to call it that, is John Hurd as George, who was Peter McAllister in the Home Alone franchise, and Paul in Big in 1988. Cassandra Serbo as Nova, who's best known as Vanessa in the Grand Hotel in 2019, or in Truth or Dare as Alex Colchis in 2017. Jason Simmons plays Finn's son. He was Logan Fowler in Baywatch and Victor in 1998's Frankenstein Reborn. So, several decades worth of TV experience from the actors. A decent spate of direct-to-video style schlock horror movies from the early 2000s from the writer, director, and producers. Sci-Fi Channel at... Arguably, it's Zenith, and the movie we get is Sharknado. So, Allie, uh, what went wrong? Science! Science! I'm definitely going to go with science. I mean, okay, not just science. As, I, as we all know that, Adam, you are a fan of hard science in your sci-fi whenever i can you are you are a fan of good writing you are a fan of continuity uh so i'm not surprised you didn't care that much for this film because this film had none of it none of that nothing nothing whatsoever the science particularly i mean i found it hilarious how bad the science was i i lost track of how many times i said because that's definitely how that works well i mean here's the weird thing about the science in this movie (laughs) I'm not going to call this hard sci-fi because far, far the F from it, right? However, everything here is 
three steps removed from fact. Right. Like, it's got just enough plausible deniability for your average horror fan audience like to go, yeah, sure, yeah, we'll go like, with that. Like, like, like sharking boats do sometimes have sharks that come up on decks and can cause injury. That's the thing that happens during big storms, especially when they're too close to a pod. However, the huge number of sharks that land on land things after being picked up by a tornado. Right. Well, but that's land the thing is land. water spouts can actually pick up sharks. Like, but I'm it's sure a thing they don't happened. usually land. I mean, they land, of, of course, in this movie, they land really pissed off and ready to eat people. And, and, and right at attack sure, distances, right? Like none of right that, none of that can happen. And, angles. and I really feel like in a real situation, that shark itself is either dead or disoriented enough to not be that bigger risk other than a crushing risk when it gets thrown out of that tornado yeah you know it's just you know that that that's where we're, we're kind of crossing that line same thing with the helicopter thing i mean yeah technically we do that but probably not quite the way we did it yeah th there is Can so we... much in this movie that you're like almost maybe oh, sort maybe. of but not mm -hmm. like that and it's just and oh. it's just how much of it there is that eventually, by the end of the movie, either leads you going, or, as I was, just laughing hysterically. There really are only two ways to take this movie. Trying to make it make sense or realizing it can't. Yeah, I agree. I, I recommend the latter. <laughs> yeah. This movie is a lot more fun if you're not taking it seriously. But in addition to that hard science stuff a lot of the but related to science stuff like the continuity like how many times we for example we're trying to escape the city we're driving through places that are you know the water level is low enough for us to drive through them but high enough for the sharks to be swimming around right like, I, I, I what I, oh it's... people are standing outside their cars running between cars, because it's that low, too. It's low enough for people to be standing in it and high enough for sharks to be attacking. Okay, and again, one of those almost scientifically correct but flawed moments is the propensity for shark attacks in shallow water. Okay? Right, and, and they're playing off of that. Right, they're when sharks of... are in shallow water, because they are outside of their normal environment, they are oddly more likely to be aggressive. Here's the problem. What is meant by shallow water in that statement is 10 to 12 feet, not knee high. Right. Because at that point, they're basically beached. Right. And like the sheer number of sharks that, are, that either literally are or effectively are beached and still attacking instead of gasping their last breath and dying because they can't move, which means they can't breathe because that's how sharks work, is astonishing. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, even if sharks could work that way, like half of them are out of the water at the point where they're attacking people. Right. After having been picked up and thrown back down onto the ground by a tornado, as we just mentioned. Yeah. At term whatever terminal velocity would be for a several hundred pound shark. Plus things like, okay, so we're hitting this last scene where we're enacting the last plans and our hero is running through a now dry parking lot. Oh, the amount of times. Okay, there's what's called sequential errors all over this film that continuity all checkers over. would be into. By the way, what I mean by that is 
They get into a helicopter. The console shown is for a different helicopter. And in certain sequences, a third helicopter is shown, even though there's only one helicopter. The boat in the beginning sequence, which we still haven't gotten to yet, which I I want to rant about because I don't know why that scene is there. It's not new. There's two different boats. Right to the beach scene. Yeah, there's two different boats because they needed to reshoot it, and the boat that they had used wasn't available and was too expensive for the reshoot. So the reshoots occur on a different boat that's smaller. (laughs) There's just things in this movie where you're like, I just don't understand. So so the science is pretty bad. The continuity is terrible. And the writing, the dialogue writing, I know you're a big fan of good dialogue writing, and again, this doesn't have it. I'm not not sure that there was writing. I really think that for some of these scenes, because these are people that were like really experienced TV actors, they were just like, okay, here's your scene, here's your motivation, here's your bullet points that you need to get to, you've got eight minutes. Like, I I really feel that some of this dialogue felt like it was cuff. It didn't feel like it was written at all. And you know what? I didn't feel like the acting itself was really that bad. No, some of the dialogue was a little. Some of the dialogue was a, a little. Why would you say this now? And I again, I'm not going to blame the actor for the actress for this. I'm going to blame uh, the director. I feel like there was some bad directing in terms of just the amount of under emotion that happened in some of these scenes. I mean, Shark comes flying through the second story window right at the beginning of the film, and of course, people are like. Oh, that sucks. It's a shark. But, like, no one's, like, freaking the F out. Like, there were not nearly enough screams. And after the fact, there wasn't nearly enough. And and during the whole movie, the whole attitude of sharks being coming at us from these tornadoes is kind of a lackluster. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a thing that happens. I mean, you can (laughs) argue that the actors were all portraying grim determination or you can argue that they weren't emoting at all. It's really your choice. Um, again, I'm going to go for the I, I latter. Don't feel like, yeah, because I don't feel like the acting is bad, but I feel like, like, why didn't the director say, hey, uh, Shark just flew through the windshield. Might want to, you know, be a little more alarmed than that. You know, I just... <laughs> I mean, the emotional quotient is very similar, since you mentioned this already, to what you would expect in a disaster movie. It's very much, we've got to get from point A to point B, bad things that happen along the way suck. Like, it really feels like a disaster movie with added sharks for seasoning. It really is. Except that usually, in the, if I'm not mistaken, in those kind of movies, you have one or two stoic stalwart we just have to get from point a to point b and you usually have at least a couple really hysterical people and everyone else in between yeah you you need at least one hysterical person so that you can make that scene work so that you have a variance between stoicism and emotional overload and and we didn't we had all okay let's get here like everybody was like that now if that happened in an actual apocalypse you would be ecstatic that that was your apocalypse team yeah it it was definitely team badass there's no question about that however it does not seem likely and it certainly doesn't seem typical for a movie specifically a natural disaster movie or a horror movie uh all right so before we move on to anything else i just want to take a moment to discuss the first five minutes of the movie. 
<laughs> and by disgust, he means gripe about. <laughs> I have to believe that when they got done shooting, they were short, and that's why they went back for reshoots, and they added to this scene, and this was just supposed to be like a throwaway shot somewhere, because nothing in this scene makes sense, even beyond what's normally in this movie. You have a captain and a buyer for his cruise goods trying to make a deal about how much they're going to get paid. You don't set off to start harvesting until you have that contract done because otherwise you have sharks and nowhere to sell them. So that was bad. <laughs> Secondly, you don't pull a gun on the guy you're trying to negotiate with and expect him to ever pay up. So that was bad. Third, the guy that got a gun pulled on him at the end of the scene before he dies, spoilers, tells the captain, I'm keeping the money, the cargo, and taking your boat. Um, where? There's no more crew. They've all been eaten by sharks. You arguably have not demonstrated that you know how to sail a boat. You called the captain of the boat Mr., so likely you don't have a ton of individual maritime experience. <laughs> and where are you gonna go exactly? And what that's not none of this deal makes any sense. And this is six minutes that I can't justify why it's in the movie, aside from the fact they needed to get to a specific movie. amount of time. And this is how you start the movie, and everything that's in this scene that you are fed information-wise, you are fed, again, by a news reporter immediately... Five minutes later. After the credits. Yeah. Immediately you after. Maybe even during. You, you absolutely didn't need this scene. Nothing in this scene needed to happen. Like, okay, there's that shot about the tornado picking up the sharks in the ocean. Keep that. That's fine. You maybe could have kept during the credits or something. During exactly. The opening, you know, or something. But it, the rest of it, like, did you just do that to have a buffer scene? Did those I two mean, guys put up a lot of money so you had to put them in the movie somewhere? Like, I don't understand why this scene exists. You can remove this scene entirely. Nothing is missed from the movie. No plot point escapes without being notified. You don't know what company the guy works for. You never hear about the boat. It's like I kept waiting for it to be, you I'm know. Like around of that. Or... Yeah. I, I kept waiting for it to be Chekhov's shark boat, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. It was just. With the exception of that, that one line, yeah, we shouldn't be afraid of the sharks. You know, like, he, he did his own death foreshadowing 30 seconds in advance, but it didn't tie to anything else, so what did it matter? Right. <laughs> I mean, oh. I mean... <laughs> like you absolutely didn't need it. I mean, there's no conceivable reason you couldn't simply start with a beach scene for a shark movie. People I mean, expect it. They, they, they know it's coming. Like The only works. thing I can think of is that this had to be an homage to something, and I just missed it. It's the only thing that comes to mind is this had to be an homage, and I missed it. And I don't know 
what it is. The only other argument I could make, and even I admit it's a really weak one, is in the news program we're talking about, you know, the severe storm being caused by global warming. I, I wonder if we're meant to infer that the element of the sharks coming back out of the tornadoes, very angry and ready to eat people, has something to do with people hunting them down to make shark fin soup out of them. I that seems like quite the stretch, but that's the only other thing but, but I can think of. But now you need some hive sentience for your sharks and that's clearly not touched we don't, on. I mean, clearly, thank God, these don't seem like any kind of intelligent sharks or anything like that. They're just sharks right. that are very good at angling their body to come back out of a tornado with their mouth ready to chop down. I somebody. mean, to be fair, sharks are pretty aerodynamically designed. So I mean, they're pretty talented. And, and yeah, like, this is, is what I mean by this movie takes things that almost scientifically work almost. and then just take them to the nth degree so that they're laughable. Like, yeah, this is like, I kind of want to make this comparison, but I kind of don't because I, I, I respect the person that I'm about to make the comparison of. This is he like you associated with us. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I don't know that he wants to be associated with this. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this though. But this is like a twenty-first century Roger Corman film. It's done on the smallest budget you can do. Some of the effects are really hokey. And you're like, it's a different helicopter. Don't worry. Just go worry with it. it. It's a different boat. Don't worry. Just go with it. There's a throwaway intro scene. Don't worry. Just go with it. Like, this, <laughs> this screams Roger Corman. Okay. But I like Roger Corman movies. Right. <laughs> and, like, I, it's so hard to say that this is, like, on par with, like, it duplicates a lot of that Corman-esque kind of thing but not with his flair. Right. I mean, like, I guess you could say it's very similar to some of his movies that were a little bit dry, like late 70s, early 80s kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's just... But there's nothing dry about this movie. I mean, it's about it's... a bunch of sharknadoes. Yeah. I mean, it's water, water, water everywhere. and <laughs> So, I mean... I don't know. Sharks flying out everywhere. Of course, everything that has gasoline on it blows up because, of course, it does. Because gasoline, yeah. gasoline is highly combustible. Always, always explodes everything. I'm like, oh, that has gas in it. You better run. It's going to blow up. The last three things did. Uh... And, and to even compare this movie to the other movies in its franchise, um, because I have shockingly seen them all. This one plays very straight. The other ones are much more tongue-in-cheek. The other ones are, yeah, 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 we know we're a crappy sci-fi channel movie. We got it. <laughs> the other ones know what they are and flaunt it. And one of the things that makes this franchise so much fun later on is missing from this first movie. And that is cameos. Cameos. The rest of the franchise has these great B-list actor cameos, like Fabio, for example. And <laughs> nice. who, of course, is a surfer, right? I, I forget what he is. Like, he might be the mayor or something. Like, the they, they, they do like all of the cameos are like this 
impossible kind of things. And it's designed because you know it's just a cameo because somebody went, oh, I'm kind of a fan of that series. Really, would you like to be in it? We'll pay you for the day. Our craft services are wonderful. That happens all the time in this franchise, except That's the great. first one. Except the first one. And I'm like, <laughs> I had forgotten that there weren't like, like, there's no Adam West moment in the first one. I had forgotten no, no, that you don't... I didn't recognize. Yeah, I had forgotten you don't get any of that. I mean, John Hurd is kind of, maybe, their cameo, but he's actually got a bit of a role. It's not just a yeah, blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. yeah. So, so oh, one of the things that this stool. series does so... This stool. This stool. One of the things that this series does so well later on isn't present in the first movie so it's like eh. out of the franchise out of all the sharknados i would have to say that one is the least sharknado-y of the series of the sharknados yeah <laughs> now all that being said i i, I want to clarify that there are a lot of things in this movie that are not bothersome like the film quality the sound work quality even the acting quality aside from those kinds of dialogue things we mentioned you know, it's not hard to watch as a film. No, no. I mean, the, the pre-production, the post-production, the cinematography, the audio, everything yeah. is good. Everything is film quality, it's, it's studio quality. Yeah. Right. So I just want to make that clear for anyone who might be thinking these are really horrible rubber sharks. Well, any rubber, any sharks can look rubbery because they kind of look rubbery, but it's not... They're not bad, you know, it's not bad sharks and bad graphics. One or two of the explosions were a little, okay. But mostly, for the most part, not distractingly bad in all those respects. Also, I know you're not a marine biologist, but I'm right with my assumption that in a pod of sharks, first off, never 20,000 in a pod. Second off, (laughs) second off, pods don't intermixed species right like you would get they do address they do address that in in the movie that it's picking up sharks not even from just our local beaches but seemingly from you know all across the ocean there's something in the script somewhere about that there's a reason you're seeing different sharks Uh, i'll take your word for it again weak but i definitely remember someone saying that no you wouldn't have mixed species you know they had to throw in the obligatory hammerhead again driving up the budget costs those guys don't uh, work cheap they really don't not ever since they got that moment in you know in star wars yeah totally don't work cheap but uh yeah they they do address that at one point in the script but even still again it just falls into that category of stretching the science just stretching it just a little bit uh yeah okay so. Also, as a final point, we already addressed the mathematical improbability of our lead and one of our supporting actors both winding up in the same shark and not being dead from a multitude yeah. of reasons, either her already being dead, the shark not biting them at any point and swallowing both of them whole. Oh, both whole. The, the the fact that he didn't uh, accidentally, you know, cut her apart with the chainsaw when he was flying through the shark. The fact that somehow missed. he was able to make sure and identify from within the gullet of a shark that she was who she was. The yeah. fact that he managed to get her out. I'm just going to point out 
she goes into the shark at one hour, 17 minutes, 50 seconds. Yes, I checked. You clocked it. And she is cut out of the shark at one hour, 23 minutes, 40 seconds. Five minutes, 50 seconds. We're not even that, going that's, that's to... That's ad- serious breath holding there. We're, we're not even going to address the fact that she didn't have a solid breath going into the shark because she was screaming because she was falling out of a helicopter. We're right. not going to address the fact of what stomach acid would do to a body for six minutes. Oh. We're just going to discuss anoxic brain injury, also known as ABI, is a common consequence of oxygen deprivation caused by drowning or limited environment and can cause severe neurological damage in people who survive. When the brain is deprived of oxygen in an ABI scenario, brain cells can begin to die within five minutes. I thought it took a little longer than that. Hmm. Nope. Okay. And from what I've seen from the rest of the franchise, there is... Like, she doesn't even suffer a concussion syndrome. Like, there is no, no oh, side effects. Oh, the character effects. comes back. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she does. So there was room for them to go with permanent brain damage, but no. No. Just Cause... just, just super, super hero- heroic stuff, and that's that's where we are. Also, nobody had, like, ongoing trauma or anything like that from seeing half of Hollywood eaten. Well, I mean, they start to have a little bit of trauma, but it's amazing how quickly that trauma has to go away when this just becomes a thing that happens every week. Well, I mean, and that character specifically, this was her second shark trauma. Right. Like, I mean, we get into this in the movie that, you know, this was her second experience with everyone around her getting eaten by sharks, and that's why she hates them so much. Did you notice the scene in the bar bar where she's waitressing? Did you notice that that scene was shot twice and they only did the application of the latex shark bite on her leg one of the two times? Oh, back to the continuity. Yeah. The shark bite disappears, disappears, reappears, and then I think disappears again. Well, that's okay because the shark bite is a symbol of the trauma of her previous shark experience, and that too appears and disappears several times throughout. Stop! The time. You are not turning this into a highbrow metaphor. No, you are not allowed. <laughs> oh, all right. So, okay. who is this movie for? Who would enjoy this film aside from Allie? Who would enjoy this film? Uh, I, I would have to go with people who actually like to laugh at at their horror movies. People who like to laugh at how stupid their horror movies are. Yeah, like, like if you're a fan of bad horror and and you know it kind of films, yes. this is this is the franchise. This is so schlocky. Yes. Oh, it's I, so it's schlocky. Definitely, it's definitely got that, I guess you'd call it guilty pleasure quality of if If you like your horror movies bad and you know it, yeah, I think you'd probably enjoy this film. And for me, this film is just in a weird place because I love schlocky movies. And when I first saw this on sci-fi, I was almost vehemently enraged by the existence of this film. And then, like, over time, I've just been like, 
eh, especially as they came out and they got goofier and goofier. And I'm like, okay, so that's what you were going for in the See, first and, and that's the thing. I think that will make a difference to some people. Some people, like, you love your bad horror movies, but you want them to advertise that they're bad. Right. You know, you want it to be overt and out there. I don't necessarily need that aspect. I'm perfectly fine with just laughing at how stupid our so-called heroes are. You know, I even if the characters were taking it perfectly seriously, I am just as amused. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't need them. I, I don't need the movie that did you get it? Did you get it all the time? Like right. that. That's just as annoying on the other side of the spectrum. But this one was almost like, like naked gun levels of playing it straight. It was bizarrely but without strange. the comedy of the naked gun, you know? Yeah, it's... Nobody cracks a joke in the whole movie. It is 100% straight. Yeah. So again, Aside from the, the scenario onus... itself, which is ludicrous. Right. But the characters are 100% straight. No jokes are cracked. There's maybe like one really bad, they don't even think it's funny at the time, you know. But really, nobody cracks a joke. No one's making light of it. No one calls it a Sharknado. Nothing like that. It The characters are 100% straight, and it is up to the audience to choose to not take it seriously and therefore laugh at it. Yeah. So if you can make that conscious decision... You, you might enjoy it, but if, if you can't, if you need them to hand that to you, maybe not so much. <laughs> right. Also, if you're a fan of just shark horror, or as we called it last week, shower films in general, and want one that's not in the top of the barrel, but also not down at the bottom either, oddly. You're um, just anything with sharks in it is good. I, if you're anything with sharks in it is good, I, I have a shark exorcist to convince you of. No. No. Um, no. To be fair, there's not much of sharks in Shark Exorcist in the parts I saw. That that is true. Uh, this is true. this movie, Sharknado, at least has like hundreds of sharks. Uh, yes. If you just want to see more and more sharks and look, there's a shark. There's a shark. You kind of like pick picking pictures out of clouds. You know, there's one. There's a hammerhead. There's a great white. Uh, there's a tiger shark. You know, like I mean, if you want to play that game, if you're amused by seeing sharks, if you're a fan of all things sharks, uh, this probably wouldn't turn you off. Yeah. Okay, so at DWTF, we use a rather unique scoring system, lovingly known as the DWTF meter. On the DWTF meter, every film scores a one because, let's face it, the name of the podcast is "Don't Watch This Film." <laughs> the important thing is, one out of what? A one out of one is a lost classic that everyone needs to see, and everyone should have in their collection. A one out of two is a great movie that is tragically flawed. All the way down to a 1 out of 10, which is a movie that even after we watch for free, we want our money back. <laughs> so, Allie, would you like to go first or second with your review? I will let you go first so that I have more time to have my opinion properly influenced by your movie reviewing expertise. Fair enough. As I said, this is a movie that exists in kind of a weird place. If you had asked me in 2013 what I thought this movie was, I would probably have said a one out of eight. Again, the acting is fine. The production is fine. The movie itself is not fine. <laughs> I would probably have given it a one out of eight. And as the franchise has gone on and kind of endeared itself a little bit, 
knowing what I know about the rest of the franchise and the fact that it goes 100% camp later on somewhere around Sharknado 4 or 5 it's just it's given up any facet of anything but campiness um at that point the franchise is much higher rated on my list so since this is where it started it gets a little bit of a pass I'm going to overall give it a 1 out of 5. I mean, it comes dangerously close, skirting the line with the cardinal sin of filmmaking, which is being boring. <laughs> However, it's not quite boring, and you can make the argument that some of the pacing is a little bit off because it was shot for TV and it was mm. running in between commercial breaks. So it does a lot of start-stop kind of stuff that is a necessity of TV movies. Um, I give it a one out of five. If you haven't okay. seen it, watch it once because... It's not the worst shark movie you could watch. If you want to watch the Sharknado series and only want to watch four movies, I don't think this is in the top half of the franchise. I would stick to other ones. But uh, if you just want something to put on for an hour and a half, beer and pretzels fodder during your Shark Week month party, which I'm sure everyone's having this month. Everyone has those, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. It's okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. I don't hate it. It's middle of the road ish. So I'll give it a middle of the road score and, and just be glad it's not shark exorcist. <laughs> be very, very glad. All right. Okay. That's, that's fair. Interestingly enough, I, um, you so like I... this one. I, I actually really, really liked it, but uh, I don't really want to score it based entirely off of just my own personal tastes. I was kind, kind of trying to think a little more expansively in terms of um, what audiences overall, I think, would feel based off of what I saw in the movie. Of course, we have reviews to do that, but I actually did find it very amusing. I was actually laughing out loud by the end of it. I enjoyed watching it. I'm glad I watched it. However, I can also think of like a lot of people that probably wouldn't enjoy it. So as far as being a horror movie, I can't give it too high a rating because it's not really a quintessential horror movie in any way. A little bit more horror comedy, but I'd never think of that as being quintessential horror. So uh, interestingly enough, even before you said something, I was kind of leaning to the one in five range, I was leaving room for my opinion actually to drop if you actually did go with the one in eight score. I'm like, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. But uh, I was kind of feeling the same way, kind of like a, a one in five. I think it's funny. I think if you like uh, laughing at your horror movies, you should probably watch it. But I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think it did anything ingenious, but I don't think it completely failed on anything either. So I, I feel like that's, yeah, I agree. It's pretty middle of the road. That's pretty one in five to me, even though for me personally, it's closer to a one in four, one in three. But in terms of thinking of myself as the entire audience of horror fans, I'm going to go with more like one in five. You know, a thought comes to me and that's, 
I know that this isn't actually a slasher film. As we said, it's much closer to an environmental disaster. But environmental disasters don't get franchises. So I need to compare this to something that does. Okay. If you stop to think about Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. The first movie is never the best. And in fact, in many cases, it's not even in the top half. It's just the establishing material for your mythology. It's setting up the idea. Right. That's its job. And it did a good job with that part. I I can't argue that it didn't. This movie establishes its mythology (laughs) that Sharknadoes are just the thing that happened during El Nino years and... Look at what happened. We got water spouts dropping 20,000 sharks. Angry sharks. On the city of Los Angeles. And yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's ludicrous, but it establishes its mythology. And that mythology is continued forward through the rest of the franchise, through into ludicrous directions. Which but... is, in fact, far more continuity than exists. In the first film. Yeah, Uh, ironically enough. (laughs) Ironically enough. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, I I think it also deserves a little bit of credit for that. This is a anchor point. Right. That going forward establishes the rules for the franchise and allows the franchise to have a playground to play in. So for, for for that, it gets something. And I didn't even see the rest of the franchise. My my one in five was strictly based off the movie itself, so I wasn't even giving it extra credit for where it got the rest of the franchise. So I, I, I'm I telling you, you, you need to look for the rest of these specifically. I, I should. Specifically, if I wanted to give you standouts, I would say Sharknado 3, Sharknado 4, and Sharknado 6. Like... If I had to pick the best of Sharknado trilogy, I think I go three, four, and six. Three is where they really started to hit their stride, if in fact sharks have strides. Yes, three is where they hit their stride. Four is where they really perfected it. Five is kind of their Jason in space slash Freddy takes Manhattan. And then six is the, we're wrapping this up. They won't give us money to do these anymore. We need to move on to new franchise ideas. So okay. it's just going to be a two-hour finale special. And a they... finale? So, you know, kind of like with a fireworks finale, it's a Sharknado finale where there's just even more sharks. It, it's interesting everywhere. that you should use the words fireworks and <laughs> sharks together when discussing Sharknado oh, 6. I won't say anything more than that. But yeah, it's just go watch it. <laughs> just, just, just enjoy. Yay! All right. So that has been our review of Sharknado 2013. This has been made possible by our Patreon. Our, all of our patrons are why this series does not have any commercials. Thank you very much to our patrons. Our patron shout out for this episode is Twicker. Congratulations, Twicker. You're responsible for a sci-fi special. For a Sharknado. Yay! If you're interested in supporting the channel, if you go to Patreon slash don't watch this film, 
we have pledges at $1, $5, $10, $20. I'm not saying you need to throw $20 at us, heaven forbid, but even a dollar is very beneficial and allows us to watch some of these movies that we cannot manage to watch for free. Or, in the case of Sharknado, uh, allows for us to have money afterwards for therapy. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, um, if you do not have money to throw at it, we also have, I believe, a very active social media presence, do we not? Yeah, we are on Twitter at, at Don't Watch This F. Uh, I'm posting pretty much every day on the Twitter account, so if you want to have a conversation, feel free to drop by over there. Also, if you just want to send us a message, go to dwtfmailbag at gmail.com, and that is the official email address for the show where we can receive all of your lovely, lovely emails. Uh, I'm also going to throw in a personal promo at this point. I am Go taking time out of uh, another production I'm working on right now in order to talk about sharks with Adam over here. Um, I am also uh, in training to be in a musical called The Ongoing Plight of the Ferryman uh, in October. It will be running all October long in Philadelphia at uh, Philadelphia Plays and Players. It is a hilarious musical about uh, Karen, the, the ferryman uh, that we all know and love, being disgruntled with his job. It's like hilarious. It. it is full of a beautiful Philly cast that looks like a Philly cast could. And uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, which you can look up by the ongoing plight of the ferryman. Also, they have the URL www.facebook.com slash topofferryman, so T-O-P-O-F-E-R-R-Y-M-A-N. So if you would like to come take a look, if you're in the Philadelphia area and would like to come take a look at that, possibly come to the show. We're going to have performances one Friday, two Saturday, one Sunday, all October long, plus with optional like little special parties afterwards and whatnot. It's a blast. I'm laughing hysterically at practice. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, it is, you know, goofier even than a lot of the movies you review here, but much funnier and much better done. Yay. <laughs> All right. So we have handled Jaws. We have handled the Sharknado. And while the Sharknado had many, many heads of sharks... They, in fact, were all one-headed sharks. Oh, boy. Which means our next movie is one step beyond them. And oh, we'll my goodness. that there for now. Oh, boy. Until next week, I have been W. Adam Shark. And I am Ali Alcatraz. Whatever you do, keep an eye on the weather reports. Make sure not to run yourself into any Sharknados. And keep yourself safe so that we can see you next week on Don't Watch This Film.